ladies and gentlemen, it's me, it's me, it's the author, imitated, never duplicated, love to be calculated, king of bada being sensation of innovation, the leader of the iconic nation, me, Mikey Bro, here with my friend, my virtual friend, Brian Hughes. Brian, what's going on, buddy? What is up, Mikey? It's been a while since we've done a podcast. Uh, I know the PBA is definitely uh, a, a hot stove, if you will, an inferno right now, and uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to... Uh, this podcast in particular and, and talking some PBA baseball. Would you say an inferno or would you say in fuego? It might be an in fuego after today. In fuego. Okay. So there's been, well, actually let's first get into it. We wanted to talk about who signed uh, in free agency so far. Um, I think per my count, there's been about three or four difference makers signed. There's still a mm-hmm. few of them in free agency. And then there's been a lot of, you know, nice solid depth pieces signed. Um, holes being filled, if you will. But um, um, the biggest name, though, let's go ahead and fucking just get straight into it, because we want to give the people what they want, Brian. Let's talk about Yashiro Suzuki <laughs> turning heel, taking his locomotive train and his talents to Sin City. Um, I mean, he's had looking. Out of nine seasons, eight seasons, he's had um, you know, the the top. If you believe in war mattering, um, you know, six of the top eight seasons. The 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 2021, he was at 10.6. The top was 10.7. Um, you know, and that was the Montoya 89, 87, something like that home run season, which obviously um, inflates war. But I mean, what do you think about the signing? I mean, he's Mister Everything. He's Mister Seven Time, Mister Eight Time All Star, Mister Six Time Silver Slugger, Mister. Nine time everything. Like, what do you think, man? I mean, well, here's time MVP. So obviously, there's something to talk about. Yeah. So here's the thing that I find like really interesting about the fit. So this is one of the two teams that I had mentioned prior to free agency that I thought might be in on him. I thought it would be a good fit considering I knew that uh, Sean wanted a power bat. And, you know, the bottom line is I think it's going to be a really good fit. I think the interesting thing is, is him coming from being Suzuki, coming from Montana, we all know what a hitter-friendly park that that is, that is. But one of the things that I think is often, if you will, overlooked, right, because everybody thinks Suzuki immediately, you think, you know, long ball. But one of the things that's overlooked about his game is he's actually a fairly decent doubles hitter as well yes and sir Mon- and Montana- now is that predicated based on montana or you think he's actually that that's now? no that's what i'm saying like if you look at montana's park and you look at the dimensions on vegas's park like he's been hitting 35 to 40 doubles a year in montana which is kind of crazy when you look at the parameters of the park and think about kind of if you will how difficult it is to actually hit a double in that park right so all of a sudden you move him to Vegas. Now I'm going to be the first to tell you, like, I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to continue to hit 60 or 70 home runs. Like he's done pretty much every year, except for last year. I think 35 to 40 is reasonable. That's, that's what I was going to say. But not only do I think he hits 35 to 40, but I think he becomes like a doubles machine. I really do. I know he doesn't have a ton of speed, but He's got decent gap power and he's got great contact and he's got great, he's got the ability to really drive the ball. 
So I could see a scenario with that lineup in front of him where, you know, last year obviously was a little bit of a down year. He had 116 RBIs. I could easily see him getting back up around 140 this year. You think that's reasonable? I think 140 would be reasonable, yeah. That's quite a bit. It is, but look at the last five years. Uh, 116, 180, 145, 190, 160. I mean, he you're, you're, you're talking about the greatest player that the PBA has ever seen, and I, and I really don't think it's that close. You start talking about war, and you start talking about guys inside the top 10 in war, and a lot of these guys have like 25 war. Suzuki's had multiple years where he's had double-digit war in one year. Like this guy, this guy is like a whole different level of good. So the fact that he's 37, the fact that he was signed to a five-year contract, I actually would be willing to bet that, and I could be wrong, but I would be willing to bet that he will play if, unless he retires, he'll actually play all five years in on a plus value. Like yeah, I, I still think, no, I think he's that good of a hitter. I think he's yeah. still going to be a 300 plus hitter, uh, you know, a 400 on base percentage guy, like Agreed. pretty much every year. Like it's, it's just what he is. His, his ratings are so high. Um, so cool. Okay. Ready? First, what's uh, your thoughts? What's your thoughts though? You gotta well, give me obviously your we talked about that probably being the best fit for him. We talked about Seattle. I think Vegas just makes sense. If he was going to go anywhere on our side, that wasn't a return to Montana to, finish his historic career there. I thought Oakland could have been a fun fit just because Oakland's already stacked. Um, I didn't really see anyone else on our side outside of Vegas, though, to be completely honest with the fit. I know you mentioned Disney, and I just wasn't going to give up a compensation pick for a 38-year-old or 37, 38-year-old season player. Um, obviously, you know, Cologne was after him. I believe he made that public. Um, you were going after him. I know one other team, I believe it was, um, I think Russo was it saying he was after him? I, I, I could be wrong um, in chat. But I mean, so he didn't have his 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 lack of suitors. I thought at the end of the day, there was only a couple teams that were really going to go in all for him. Um, you know, I offered him one of my my favorite uh, one and done contracts, if you will, the big money stuff. But aside from that, like there there and and again, like I said, that 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 was even like a one in twenty five out the gate just to see if I can steal him for cheap. Um, question though, is he on the best contract in the league? Best best free agent signed contract in the league. It's hard. It's okay. So it's hard to evaluate this because if you're talking about a guy that is going to give you, you know, do you kind of get what I'm saying though? Yeah, like, like statistically, he gives you, you know, everything. like let's just say eight Dude, more a year. Okay, hold on. He's making 26, <laughs> 27, 27, 24, 30, 30 buyouts. So basically, it's a three year, ninety million dollar deal, roughly. Like that's a pretty fucking steal. Like not only are you getting Suzuki, but you're taking him out of Montana, who has been a thorn in your side and in our, our, our league side for years. I mean, it's kind of like a double death punch, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I, I think the biggest thing is I think Vegas realized last uh, playoff push the, the, the value of having a guy that will come up clutch in big situations. Um, and that's what Suzuki is going to be for him. You know what? He is going to be a guy that – you've got runners on first and third with one out and you need a hit. Like this is the guy you want at the plate. This is the guy in, you know, in a, you know, a world series type run could easily give you seven or eight home runs and be the difference between being bounced in the first round and winning it all. Like he's that kind of difference maker. 
I mean, he has six silver sluggers, eight all-star appearance, or eight silver sluggers, six all-star appearances. He must have been hurt a couple times or been dinked and dunked or whatever. Um, an MVP in the World Series. He's won six MVPs in general. Which is just ridiculous, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, he has every single award the league has to offer tenfold. Um, I do think, though, going to Vegas with his metrics, his ballpark, um, obviously Vegas, ha- Sean was probably like, bro, my park is ridiculous for home runs. Anything that's like right. in the air is gone. Um, the right field's only 340 down the line. So it's kind of like it's hot. The ball's going to travel. Like it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the perfect fit to be honest. Um, his ballpark to his, I mean, he slots him in between Tide Cobb and Demetri Davis. I mean, come on. Well, and that's, and that's kind of what was, was my point. Like not only is his park, you know, obviously it's not Montana-esque, but you're not going to see a huge drop in home run production, but his park plays better to the gaps. And and once again, Suzuki does everything so well that people don't think of Suzuki as being a gap hitter. But once again, in, you know, Montana, a, a park that if you look at the dimensions might be one of the four or five worst doubles park in the entire league. And Suzuki routinely had 30 or 40 doubles. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, like this guy is going to be a huge difference maker we, for Vegas. We actually talked about this offline. We were talking about Babip, and we were talking about a player from another league, actually. And Suzuki, he had a 273 Babip last year, which isn't great um, for his standards, by the way. That's perfectly acceptable standards, I think, for the league. It's probably league average, if I had to guess. Maybe a little bit below average, but not crazy below league average. Um, just, just knowing leagues. But... He's career 331 Babbitt. So, like, right. he's one of those guys where, yes, Montana's Park helps, but, like, he just – the ball finds a way to fall for him. So, he had a four-war last year, 291 average, 400 on base, 570 slug, which, I mean, <laughs> elite slug. I mean, his his worst year ever has a 970 OPS. So, he's still pretty good. Um, where does his war fall? It's going to be pure DH next year. Obviously, he had a four last year, a ten the season before. Never had below in before that. Um, well, here's here's something else. Just to I mean a six minimum. I mean it's got to be close. But here's the other thing to consider. Besides last year, which by the way he had a 143 weighted runs created, he's led the league every single year since 2019, since the inception of the league, all the way through 2025 in weighted runs created. I mean. You know, some people like win probability added. I like weight, weighted runs created, and he is just exceptional at that. I think just from a bat profile, like you said, because let's keep it real, he's never been known for being a def- defensive juggernaut, if you will. Right. I, I, I think I think every year of this contract, he's going to be a five-plus war player. I mean, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't see how he's not – I mean, he's right. gonna right at 41 years old. He's gonna run into, you know, 30 so, home runs and like 100 walks. Like, so you could make an argument just based off of the contracts that we've seen doled out this off season, that like as ridiculous as it sounds, because he is such a phenomenal player, that there is a realistic shot that he actually ends up being the the most value, right? Like the most bang for the buck, as you mentioned. So because I, mean, I was thinking, if 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 you just do the math and let's do five war, because well, 
Right. Then you can do it. So usually it's about four, four and a half, whatever. Like every, every league differs. It's usually between 3.75 and 4.75, whatever. But free agent war, as we know, it's typically it's you always pay more to get in. Right. Yeah. So at $137 million, so let's do this real quick. Are we saying that he's going to get his full contract guaranteed, or are we saying that it, he's going to be, for the sake of this argument, are we saying that it's going to be declined? You say I, I, I don't see. Yeah, you can do it however you want. I don't see there's how there's any way that Sean doesn't bring this guy back if he's giving him five war a season. Okay, so here we go. Ready? We're we're we are for the sake of this though, because he did include the team options, which I think he are there just in case. You know what I mean? So we're gonna I for for the sake of this argument, I want to take him out. So we're gonna go three years, seventy eight million, fucking steal of a contract. Okay, like insane. Like three right. years, seventy eight million. It's only going to cost you a second and four. If you're in the World Series mode now, that's fine. If we say regular war is between four and a half and five, let's say free agent war. Do you want to do six? Or you want to do six and a half? Uh, I'd, I'd say, yeah, six and a half probably. Okay, six and a half. Okay, so hold on. Where's that last number there? That number four. Would you be surprised to know that in <laughs> he only over the course of his contract has to get to about 11 11 and a half war to make this contract worthwhile if you're doing it based off pure free agent dollar value. That's fucking insane. Right. And he's probably going to hit that after year two. Yeah. I mean, easily. Right. You're going to get, you're going to basically like, you know, compared to kind of quote unquote free agent dollars, if you will, Dude, you're basically getting year three for free. And, if, and not to mention the fact in, that it's cheaper. If you lock in all five at the full 137 boat yeah. at 6.5, he only needs to get. Um, 22 war like that's a slam dunk that's that's why i'm saying like i i that's don't I see you, any best, way that's why i see the best he's, contract in the league. I yeah i mean i haven't i haven't like gone through all the nuts and bolts of every single deal you know yeah. so i would want to you know be a little bit more diligent before i just kind of arbitrarily answer that but i'm just but saying arbitrarily do things here on the pod damn it podcast but but i'm just saying as opposed to you know i mean we could look at we could look at all the recent signings, right? And we could say, you know, and this is no disrespect to any GMs out there that are signing. Contact, but, my man. I mean, come on. Right. Like if you if you have a guy like like Blandow that's getting thirty million dollars a year, he's a you know, he's a, a kid that's never Ooh. thrown a pitch in the bigs. Yeah. Not one pitch in the bigs, twenty four. And you're going to give this kid $30 million a year. Like what I don't get is I don't understand. It doesn't matter who you have on your roster right now. I don't understand how these people were not in on Suzuki because even if it's just a fan bump, even if it's like, well, I need a pitcher. Well, you know what? If you don't have a pitcher and you generate more offense, you're still going to win. It's kind of funny because to me, like, and I love Josh and we've known each other for years. So I feel like I can talk about him. Like, um, so Suzuki would have been a perfect signing trade candidate. Not only are you getting absolutely so 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 Josh is going to get a second and a fourth here, obviously, because Vegas paid into revenue sharing as a playoff team. Blah blah blah. Um, so you get a second and a fourth. I feel like you probably could have got more for that if you were giving out this contract via free agency. And on top of that, if you're Josh, you also get the extreme popularity plus ten, plus seven, whatever it is, fan interest boost. And you know, I mean, even if you lose a little bit of it when you trade him, you even get a little bit of that. So I thought that he would have been a, a nice opportunity. Maybe we see that becoming more of the norm here in a PBA. But I don't want to spend too much time, more time on Suzuki because it's like fucking low hanging fruit. Like he's pretty much unbelievable. Um, I do want to get to to Rusa in a second here because he signed his outfield of the future, which is cool. I'm um, a guy we. You know, we, we talked a lot about. 
Um, a couple guys, actually, one of which Jason Robinson. But I, I have to do this real quick. There's two things I have to do. First, okay, first, this is what I have to do. First, I have to read the scouting report on Shizuro Suzuki. It says he's a 37-year-old right fielder from Osaka. Players around the league marvel at his hitting ability as his power grades out as plus-plus. He'll watch bad pitches sail by, waiting for a pitch he can handle. Here, here's the bright spot for Sean if he just gave him $137 million. Ready? It says, Suzuki is a very good player overall and can start in right field for any team. So, good news, $137 million got him a starting outfielder. Sweet. Um... And he puts in long hours and is intelligent on and off the field. He gets along with everyone, and he knows that chicks dig the long ball. So, you know, there's that. Um, Brian, also, before we get to the the other topic I wanted to get to, which quickly would be to transition to Tampa Bay's new outfield, um, it is not a pandemic podcast without referencing where Brody Stanley possibly is going. <laughs> As of right now, he is favored oh, goodness. by Montana. Uh at least per my per 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 my, per my negotiations window, at a uh, six million dollars over two years. So we talked about Montana's park being smaller, Stanley's defense still being plus plus in that ballpark, especially, and he'd probably run into 35, 40 home runs in Montana if he plays 162, which he's a very you know durable player, so that shouldn't be a problem. What right. would you say of the Brody Stanley fit to Montana? I mean, I. The Brody Stanley fit in Montana, obviously that, that like you mentioned, that's a good fit. He's a very good defender. Um, he's going to hit you, as you mentioned, probably 30 home runs. The issue that I have is the one, the one trait, if you will, that Brody Stanley really does excels at is he's got exceptional range and he's got exceptional, um, his lack of making errors is exceptional. So my my contention would be, although that is a great fit, I would much rather see him in a park that is much larger, um, only from the sense that I think that you get more value. Not to say that Josh wouldn't get value for him, but I, but here here's the thing: he may end up hitting 30 home runs next year and striking out 130 times. Like yeah. he he's like I just don't. Like I know your 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 belief is that he's going to bounce back. My problem is, is it worth getting thirty home runs yes. if you have a sub three hundred on base percentage? And my I mean, answer is getting, no. Okay, not always, but if you're getting like plus plus defense, it le- like he's a ninety, he's a one hundred in left field, right? George Long's a seventy four in right, who's playing left. Then you move P- Petrica, who had to play right field, who's like a shitty ass defender to DH. Like I think it just helps this entire team get better. Um, just, just like the way the pieces would move around, honestly, like I, I, I think it just moves all the pieces around for him. So I think it's kind of like a, a sum of all parts kind of deal in Montana, which is why I'd be in favor of it personally. Um, just my opinion, Brody, right. 2027, stay tuned. Um, and, and, and just so you know, don't think that once he signs that we're going to stop, I'm going to bring up what he did each sim and every sim, every time we do the podcast. So you're welcome. Um, yeah. I was really hoping that Montana would sign him because I figured we would no longer have the pleasure of talking about him. But now that you've brought that up, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter. My friend. Okay. So next up, I want to go to Tampa Bay. Who's made the biggest second biggest splash of the off season. And yes, Mark, I know you signed Obata. Yes, Mark, we will be getting to that. Andre Dawson in tandem with Jason Robinson have both landed Jason Robinson with an amazing uh, mustache, by the way, have both landed in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay solved, you know, theoretically his, his their outfield uh, woes. 
outfield woes and his not being able to hit left-handed hitting woes, signing two phenomenal left-handed hitting bats um, in Jason Robinson and Andre Dawson. Dawson's really cool. He's a platoon player. He's only getting $2 million annual average annual value. It is an absolute steal for what he is going to provide. He makes $1.8 million next year. I, I, it's a great signing. I mean, it's a guy that I mentioned yeah. When we were doing our preview, I, I think not only is Dawson great value, it sucks because he was getting t- he he was project he made five million dollars last year in arbitration. He was projected six and a half, I think it was for Kevin. And Kevin's like, fuck, I can't pay him that. Um, you know, so he let him go, and Bruce had got him over three years for what would have been one year, right? Clear. Peanuts, peanuts, basically. I mean, I've, fantastic fucking signing, great running, good defense, like he's just a great, great player. Um, the the name you brought up though, dude, um, I thought which is interesting and a, a name that a lot of people probably overlooked, and I know they overlooked based on talking to other people was Jason Robinson. Um, he's just Mr. Consistent. He's only a quote. He's only quote unquote a three star player, but he is mm-hmm. an absolute dynamo. He hits both sides of the plate. Yep. He's a guy you can pencil in for 135 to 150 games with no problem. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you average 290, 330, 480. He's going to give you an OPS plus of 100. You're going to get between three and four war. Um, the stats may vary a little bit in Tampa Bay, but the mileage won't. I mean, absolutely unbelievable contract. 51 over five, 10.2 average annual value. I mean, dude, I mean, three-time all-star like do i go on like he's he's an absolutely fantastic piece and he's done it in the playoffs yeah i mean that's that's the thing when i was looking at these guys when we were talking about like hey who's the guys we like in free agency by the as, way he's going back to tampa bay i guess as you originally started there yes as you mentioned um 20 you know only. one of the things one of the things that i'm looking at is you know, not only not only you know are are they a complete player? Can they play defense? Can they hit left-handed? Can they hit right-handed hitting pitching? You know, can they run? You know, can they still use some bases? And Jason Robinson just checks all those boxes, right? Like Every you mentioned, single one of them. He's not he's not a uh, he's not a a quote unquote sexy player. You know, he's a three-star guy as you mentioned, which it's pretty sexy the, to me. <laughs> which, which by the way, right, a three-star player theoretically means that he's slightly above average. Yes. And he plays like that, but you know the please like I said, that everybody like the thing, please, please recognize that a three-star player is an above average player. The thing that I I really liked most about him, like I said and I just said it is not very often do you get a center fielder that that has a little bit of speed, meaning a guy that will steal you 25-plus bases. And they'll oh, he's 30-30, basically, right? Right, and, and I was going to say, and has has the potential to hit 30 home runs. Like, the, he's that guy. He's very versatile. He doesn't strike out a ton. If you look, no matter, even though he's had over 600 at-bats uh, multiple years, he's never had a season where he struck out more than 79 times. So let's, let, 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 let's also really quickly, I'm sorry to cut you off. Let's also remember he's played in Tampa Bay. Um, Bruce is familiar with him and not, and, and, and not just to mention that if, if I recall, I'm getting there. Hold on, hold on. He's a right-handed batter. Okay. Yeah. So Tampa's ballpark takes away home runs for lefties, but it aids in righties. I mean, aids as, as it relates to which side of the plate hits mm-hmm. more home runs in his park. So he's actually where most teams are trying to, you know, build up for lefties. He's taking it away and he's going to have the type of players that are going to excel in his ballpark. He's mm-hmm. basically playing the opposite side of the coin here. Right. I mean, well, yeah, absolutely. And the, and the, the, and the reason, the last thing I was going to say about the fit is 
outside of this last year um, in Milwaukee, where he had a 2.9 uh, war, basically a three war. If you look at the best years he's had in his career, the they were they were the three years he was in Tampa Bay. Absolutely perfect fit. Um, it's a perfect fit. Exactly. He's gonna be he's gonna be about a three thirty on base percentage guy. He's gonna be a eight fifty OPS guy, and it, it's exactly what Russo needs. Like we talked about, he has the pitching there. What he was lacking was the bats. So. So, I think that this is a great fit, and although I would have rather have seen Suzuki, um, I think that both of these pieces are definitely going to help him get better. about Suzuki to Tampa Bay. That would have been an amazing fit. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you then because I did the last one. Andre Dawson's a layup. I'm not even going to worry about that. Um, $50 million over five years. He has to amass only 7.6 war using our free agent 6.5 per war calculator. I mean – He's gonna that, do that, that can be done in two years. So, I mean, it's all plus value at that point. Um, all right, next, let's get to the third biggest uh, team of the offseason so far, and clone. Oh, by the way, I, I, I was doing this while we were talking. Which division would you guess has signed the most players so far? Have you been tracking or not really? I have not been tracking, okay. but just, just surely a guess. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what this is going to be. I'm just thinking like the divisions. So Gary has signed by far the most. I was right? I was I was gonna say the wider. No, no. It's not no. you guys. No, it's actually uh, the little Italy division. They have eight free agents to four, four, and five. Um, so there's that. Um, in our division, only one team outside of Gary has even you know signed anyone. But that's neither here nor there currently. Actually, do you want to get to Luna before we get to Abada, or do you want to circle back around to Luna? We can get to whoever you want because I, I would like to talk about a couple of the guys that um, are currently available that have offers in on them. Yes, I want well. to get back to that as well. I want to cover a couple of the starting pitchers who were signed, and I'm not necessarily talking about Bartlett or Vidal. I'm talking more aligned with Tota and uh, Abada and some of the guys at New York's mm-hmm. kind of grabbing from the geriatric facility. <laughs> um, but let's get to Avada, man. Um, so we popularized the <laughs> we popularized the one year twenty five, one year thirty for Obata. He ends up getting, in my eyes, get based on the option. And again, just like I said with Suzuki, I'm playing it off of what I'm assuming to happen, given that he'll be thirty nine next year in his season, a one year thirty seven point five million dollar contract, or a one year, and that's with the buyout, or or a two year fifty five million dollar contract. Um, now, obviously, it's going to be tough for him to recoup that, I think, um, given that ballpark. Well, he's here's the thing. Obata, Obata is Mr. Consistent. I mean, from yes. age 35 on, he's actually one of the few guys. And granted, now this is in – keep in mind – five point – I mean, if – so – if he's to make his value, though, just based off our free or our super accurate, unfallible calculator, he has hit 5.8 WAR this year off a 35 million dollar contract. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he's had four and a half the last two years. Right. I mean, I'm, I here's what way, I here's what oh, I wait. feel. This is why that offseason team WAR thing silly to me. I've been in the bottom five like my entire OOTP career across multiple leagues, and I've been and I've done okay. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it matters because, like, you can acquire players war over war, but you have to put them in the right position. And, like, if you don't have the right players that you're acquiring for that type of – like, pitchers are a little more safer, right, because they're pitching. But, like, like positionally, it's a little more difficult. Right. Well, the other thing is, too, is 
it makes it more difficult, right? Because if, if, you know, just talking real quickly about the little chart you're talking about, the, the other issue with the war gained is you also have to take into con context teams that have lost, like if you're Montana and you lose a guy like Suzuki, that's a nine war guy, right? Like maybe you have somebody in the wings, but it's really not going to matter because whoever you sign, right. you're not making up nine war. So that does, does that mean that they're substantially like Toronto know, like, losing 13 and a half? I think that's probably accurate, right? I mean, they've, yeah, well, and honestly, he's, away. yeah, he's traded a bunch of guys away and, and, you know, just, you know, just between me and you and the other 22 GMs out there, like, um, you know, I, I clearly know that Archie has a plan. I'm just very confused on it because, and I know we're going to get to it, but like, Ouch. I'm still trying to understand, like, why do you, why, why would you go out this and spawn sign, argument thing again? No. Why would you go out and sign a guy like Toto, who's 32 years old, if you're going to trade Rawlings? Like, or I if you're trade Spawn and trade Moreno right. and trade all the other guys, right. especially when, when your contract, dude, his payroll next year is going from 81 to like 50. Spawn needs a new contract. Kerr needs a new. Why is Kerr even there still? Like, I don't know. Oh. We'll see, dude. Like, yeah, well, the, yeah. And, and, and Spawn's probably with, with everything else going on in the market, like he's probably going to be like an 18 or $20 million a year guy now. Dude, fucking Blondau's getting on average. All right, so if Blondau on average is getting fucking stupid $33 million, are you not telling me someone's not going to get Spawn $50 million a year? That's basically well, the equivalent of the difference, honest no, to God. No, and I understand that. I'm just saying that even even to try to re-sign your own guy, <laughs> like it's going to get more expensive, obviously, to he, try he, to re-sign your own guy. Six at 30 for Spawn, if you're going to give Blandau, that is a fucking oh, yeah, bargain. Still. I mean, it's silly. So it's still silly to have to give a pitcher $30 million when, when, you know, once again, like we, we need to, we need to all, and you know, this is this realism bullshit though, because fucking the Dodgers gave Bauer 40 million fuck or 45 I'm, for a season. Who cares? It's fucking one year. Like I get it. I, listen, saying. I am the biggest proponent of I'm everybody. Saying. Everybody is running their organization the way that they want to. Yes. If you have the salary cap to spend $50 million on one year right. or $80 million on one year, yeah. because that's the way you're structured and set up more power to you. I don't have that kind of money well, because I've, yeah. yeah, I've separated mine out over multiple years <laughs> instead of one year deals. Well, your team actually has to, to get help with their diapers at the end of the, of the day. Hey, you know what? That's fine. As long as they bring their big boy pants when they get to the ballpark. Hey, yo, that's all that matters, man. So, I do want to talk about some of these free agents. So who else did you want to talk about before we so, move on? Obata, I don't think is going to, I don't think whether you look at two years at 55. Goes, I, I, I do the math. If, if you go full boat, it's 8.6. I think he has a chance to get it, but it's going to be tough. I think in that division. Well, I think it's going to, that's exactly what I was going to say. A, it's going to be tough Keep in up. this division yeah. because literally he, every, every uh, week he's going to be facing somebody who's, you know, who's got three or four guys that just absolutely crush the ball. Hey, we called it, it on Trejo too. He's still just sitting out right. there probably because his stamina dropped to 26, but still just right. sitting out there. The other, the other thing to consider here is, and once again, I understand that minute that, that uh, Montana <laughs> is a hitter's park, <laughs> but if you look at how many home runs he normally gives up, I mean, the last three years he gave up 48, 36, 31, Granted, half those games are in Montana, but like, I mean, he is definitely a guy. I know it says extreme ground ball. 
I'd be a little concerned about how many home runs he gives up. I mean, if you look at the last three years over, over nine, 1.8, 1.5, 1.3. I mean, these are numbers aren't terrible, but as you mentioned, now you're putting him in a division with at least 15 or 20 guys that are just absolutely exceptional at hitting the long ball. Yeah. I mean, not just like hitting lefty pitching or I mean just the law, like, or whatever, not hitting lefty, but just hitting pitch, like just hitting home runs. Like, correct. Correct. Um, there's, there's, but b- before we move on to there, there's, there's three guys I want to cover left. Sure. And I want to get to some of New York stuff. Um, but we're going to make Gary wait. I do want to get to, um, where did fuck this is, uh, Luna. Okay. So <laughs> this is the, now I have him better than Blondau, but this is the equivalent to Blondau from the, the hitting side. Luna goes to Orlando on a seven year, $67 million contract. It's basically a five year, whatever, five year, fifth of $45 million deal, mm-hmm. whatever. The last two are team options. Um, whatever. Stays in or he doesn't. I mean, he'll be there till he's 32. He's a 79 home run power. He's a righty. He plays perfect to that park. He's capable and left. You have to trust that his ratings are maxed out. I have him at three out of three. And again, that is an above average player. And with his ratings, he is definitely worth the contract. I have him at 55, 70, 80, 70, 40 to round out. Um, so he looks good. He's a fly ball hitter. He's mm-hmm. great work. I think he's going to be great for Orlando's ballpark. Um, I don't actually think it's too much of an overpay for what he got in free agency, Brian. What about you based on his ratings? No statistics, but ratings. Right. So you know how I feel about ratings. So I have, yes. I have a hard time with this to begin with. What I will say, though, is considering... On the surface, it doesn't look considering, terrible. Correct. Considering it's a free agent contract, yeah. this isn't like you're negotiating with this guy solely. I think, honestly, that Scott might have actually got a deal, oh, believe yeah. it or not. So yep. less than $9 million a year for a kid that's 25, that's potentially going to hit 35. That's seven plus more months. Super accurate free agency war tracker. That's all he needs. Correct. More over five seasons. He's going right. to hit it. And, and yeah, I do. I think that he probably hits that. But once again, like I know how Scott evaluates players. We've had conversations. You can go back and listen to the be our guest uh, podcast. I know that he appreciates and values production. Yeah. So I know that this had to kill him, right? To just dole out a big contract to a hey, guy. There's that... something. Hey, I'm sorry, real quick. There's something to be said for enjoying. And by the way, I know Scott too. I played with him for a long time. There's something to be said for just enjoying watching a team you put together, whether they like won yes. 150 games or like 20 games. Like Scott likes watching offense. So if this guy is going to hit 40 home runs and drive in a hundred RBIs, like, which I think is totally possible in his part to his ratings. Um, you know, we got to see him. He's IFA. There's no stats, whatever. But I think it's totally doable based on his potential, right? But based on what we see, right. like, Scott's going to love this player. Like, he's going to fucking he's, love this guy. He's going to, if, if he lives up to his ratings, he's And by the be... way, he comes in at eighth overall on the OSA top position rankings list. If anyone gives a fuck about any of that, I don't. He is going to be probably, when it's all said and done, a above average offensive player yes, and a slight liability defensively. Slight um, the arm the arm is good. I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not very ecstatic about the Where would you put it air. on a 2080 scale, Brian? Um, <laughs> 80? <laughs> 80, okay. His arm is, no, his arm is, but, but I'm saying like the arm is good, but I'm saying if you look at his range, and his air, they are they are below average, right? And this yeah. is for a left fielder. Like, we're not saying below average for a center fielder. You're converting. So there is some limitations there. I mean, you could probably cross-train and make him uh, a right fielder as well because of how good his arm is. But 
I do think that offensively he should live up to the hype. The problem yes. is here's. I mean, here's look my, at his ballpark, my dude. Like, here's, yeah, he better. Here's my line of thinking, though, and I and I could be wrong, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I know that I've said this to you before, so I am a firm believer that there is, you know, whether the game builds it in or not, there is an adjustment period when people kind of come into the PBA, very rarely do they come in and just immediately kill it. Like usually, like even when you bring up AAA guys, usually there's a year or two that they kind of struggle, they figure things out and then bam, they really figure it out. And then by like, let's say year two or three, they're just killing it. So my only issue is, and he's definitely going to hit the metrics, right? My only issue is, is the the players got an opt out after year five. Like if you could have got the opt out, out of there and it was seven years with two team option opt-outs i would have felt better because here's the thing he may give you some the player opt-out into team option so scott's still going to functionally have that option regardless no 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 i understand that but my point is is the player has the option first so he could walk away and my point is is the first two or three years of this contract brian i'm pretty sure it works out where it's still going to fall to a team option Oh, okay. Well, then maybe maybe I, could I am be, I, I totally could be wrong. I've actually never seen this type of contract <clears> where the <throat> player opt out into a team option. But the way I would assume is that the player opts out, the, op, the team still has an option. Like, that's the way I view it. Oh, I could totally okay. wrong. I've never seen it before like this, actually. So, yeah. So, the way that the way that I understood it was the player would essentially have to God damn it. decide can, to can continue. Where is Bill Richardson right and, now? And the team would have to decide to continue in order to continue with the contract. And let me just finish my point. So, yes, my point is, that. if he struggles a little bit the first couple of years, like, I think he might. Like, I'm not saying he's not going to be good, but he might be good in the sense of like a one and a half to two war guy instead of being the four war guy you're talking about. So if he struggles for the first couple of years and don't really f- figure things out until year three or four, by the time you're actually getting the production that you're actually paying for, he's he's basically ready to opt out. That's the only issue that I have with signing these IFAs. And the reason why I've only done it one time in four years Uh that's that's basically it. I, I just prefer to have the guys that have a proven track record, but Brian, that's I, I, a preference. I, I agree, but I can't see him not reaching a higher war than that. Just based on hitting 20 home runs, he's going to put up, like, and he's not going to, like, he, I think for him to get his war in that ballpark, it's going to be super fucking simple based on our super accurate free agency war predictors. I just don't see it um, being a problem. Right. Just, just, I mean, just based on the way he's rated – like I, I do said, think my, I do think that the contract is a value, like you said. You oh know, like gosh, considering, yes. considering free what agent, other dude. like that was a still as a free agent. Yeah, considering what other free agents are getting this off season, and considering the fact that you know some of these guys are getting like, you know, granted some of them are pitchers, but getting twenty five plus million dollar contracts and they're thirty five years old. Yeah, I mean, signing a twenty five year old kid that has a ton of upside to a seven year deal that's you know averaging you know essentially like seven million a year, like not bad, obviously. Okay, so I reached out to our friend Bill Richardson, our financial advisor. He says he's not sure, but he does not think he, – he agrees with you. He's not sure, but that's the way he views it as well. Basically. Yeah, I would assume that both parties would have to mutually opt into the the sixth year. So it as a team – out of those fucking contracts. Just right, so because I would assume that the team would say, yes, we want to continue with you for $11 million, and the player says, nope, I want to go to free agency, and essentially the, the last two years would drop off. Okay. Um, not trying to rush you past. We need to get to New York real quick before we touch who's left. Okay. So Gary has, I don't know if you've seen Brian, 
and we love Gary. We give him a hard time. But Gary, 15.9 war gained. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he signed a lot of starting pitchers. He signed Murakami from me, and he signed Wanatabe from Kentucky. Uh, as I said publicly, I did not bring back Murakami uh, to Disney. He wanted considerably less than what he signed for. He signed 228, basically. Um, where is the opt? I'm trying to go through page by page. He signed two for 28 um, with a player opt out, which I would almost two for 27. Excuse me, with a player opt out, which I almost have to assume he's opting into it. You know, his 37 and 38 year old seasons. Um, actually, in 30, that's 38 and 39 year old seasons. I would assume he opts in. Um, and he also signed the other starting pitcher who was not comp eligible, whose name I'm scrolling right past because I'm on this, you know, board sheet, uh, Ryu Wanatabe or Wanakabe, whatever, um, put up a two and two war last year. He signed for, and this is a great podcast. He signed for what? 40, 40 million over three years with a player opt out at 13, 14, 12, which he'll probably opt out of actually. Um, so three at 40, not terrible. Um, can I say something right now? While he's fragile, he's never really been hurt. Um, so he's probably more in line, came in with that fragile rating. Am I wrong to be more concerned about him than Murakami? Who, I'm sorry, who, who was the pitcher you're more concerned with? Watanabe, uh, which one? Yeah, Watanabe. Is, is it okay that I'm more concerned with him than Murakami? Well, here's the thing. I, you know, He's given up third. Okay, so like you talked about the big bombers and on your side, right? I mean, he's given up 37, 37, 32 home runs last three years. Um, last year, he gave up considerably less. He only gave up 17, but that right. was out of the norm, and he only threw 120 innings versus 200 innings. Um, the one season where he gave up 27, he threw 130 only, so it was low based on his standards. Um, he's a ground ball pitcher, so there's that. He has pretty meh movement. And the, he, he's actually a concern for me. Um Disney, as we know, like doesn't hit lefties super duper well, but we have like four guys who are absolutely mashers, home run hitters versus lefties. I mean, versus righties and Oakland and Vegas has a fucking plethora of each. Mm -hmm. Should we be concerned? Is he going to the, to like, you know, the French quarter light division for left-handed home run hitters? Like, should he be concerned? I mean, he is leaving a, a, a more so friendly division in, Kentucky's division as it relates on that. I mean, Gary has a pretty strong pitching staff with Watanabe, with Murakami, Pineda, Moreno. Um, I mean, I can't see New York, even though I picked him last, missing the playoffs at this point. It'd be a, like a super-duper really, like, letdown, right? Right. I really like the moves that Gary's made. So um, but I the do money, think that there, I do think that there is... They're, they're very they're, aggressive, which I like. Right. He's been very aggressive this offseason, which has been nice because... Gary is always uh, somebody that's very, very quickly can identify the talent, but rarely will pull the trigger to, to, to get the piece that he's already identified that he needs. He's all in. He's not Brian all in, as you will yeah. hear me say going forward. He's, he's definitely all in, right? Because I mean, if you look at the amount of money that he spent this off season, if you look at the trades that he's made, I mean, Gary deserves a ton of credit, right? He's, Absolutely. he's completely rebuilt this rotation. Watanabe is a solid piece. Moreno is a solid piece. Pineda is back. 
and Mirakami is another piece that's brought in. So it's like it's consistent. Yeah. This he he three fifths of the rotation are new guys, and they're probably guys that are going to give you two to three war every year. They're not going to be superstar guys. They're not going to fuck it up for you. But they're not exactly. And when you have a team that's number one, you know, last season in on base percentage and you know fourth and run scored, like that's pretty much what you need. You need yeah, he, you need a pitching innings. staff. He's, you need a pitching staff that is not going to give up a five spot in one inning. They're going to be consistent. They are going to hopefully get you into you know the sixth inning, and then you can turn it over. But I will tell you, in addition to the pitching staff, he's made a ton of moves on the bullpen. And in particular, the three guys that I really like. So I really like Dan Keeping. I know this is a guy that we've talked about before, but I'll bring it up again from Orlando. Super solid. Right. And I really love Juan Sub Kim from uh, formerly of Toronto. He he has him as his closer in game that I see right now. He should be a high leverage guy. I don't know what's going on there. I Well, he he can put him wherever he wants. I like the fact A, he's a lefty. I, yeah, he could, could, I'm just saying he could put him where he wants. There's no other lefties unless you like. I would. I don't. For me, he's a stopper. He's yeah, a stopper. I, know, I, agree. I agree. But, you know, I, I mean, you know the kind of mold that I look for. I think he's a stopper, but Gary can put him wherever he wants. I would be concerned that he's not going to get the the appropriate amount of innings as a closer. But well, Kim needs to have the opportunity to get that – to get. I mean, if needed, he needs to be in there for 100 innings. Like, I, he can't just be in there for 50 yeah, well, and that's that's, that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying if you put him in, you know, and this is once again this is the armchair jamming. But if you put him into the stopper role and you move the you move the inning barrier all the way down to the sixth or seventh, whatever that threshold is, he gets a lot more use. Like I don't necessarily know if you need a closer, right? If you have three or four guys that you Kevin has feel seventeen stamina for me. He's equivalent to Kim. Like right. he should be closing to me. But that's just me. Right. No, and I understand that. And the and, and the last guy. the last two years. Look at that. Twenty seven and twenty eight. Right. And the last guy that I I'm going to mention here is Thomas Aceves. So here's a relief pitcher from Cologne. Through seventy seven innings last year of sub four ERA ball. We already know. We've mentioned it like a thousand times. I'm sure nobody wants to hear it. But that's a pretty good division that he pitched in last year, several innings, and he performed pretty well. He gave up six home runs in 77 innings. This is exactly the type of relief pitcher that you want. Somebody that's going to give you grand ball outs, somebody that has the ability to strike out a little bit, but is not going to kill you. And that's what he is. Year after year, if you look at his ERA plus, every single year he's been in the league, he's a plus reliever. So – if Gary doesn't finish third this year in our division, it is a gross underperforming season. For Something him. went wrong. I would I, at this point write this very second. Granted, free agency is still out there. Keep in mind, there's still trades to be made. Everybody's mm. still working the phones. Fair enough, but he's I'm just far saying, enough ahead than everyone else in the division. I think at that I'm point, not, I'm not going to say far enough ahead. I think he's ahead of Honolulu. I think he's ahead of Palmetto. But I think you and him are fairly close. You've made some, you made some moves, but they were earlier in the off season. Yeah, we'll and see. it just depends on what happens here the next, you know, next couple weeks here. This just in Brody Stanley coming back to Disney. All right. Definitely. Uh, New York's going to win then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Brody Stanley can help all my other outfielders. Um, so, okay. So let's get to who's left. I don't want to say like, so <laughs> 
How do you want to attach this here? I'll attack this here. Here? Okay, so can I just say, like, this is, let's just say interesting, yes. right? I think that that's a good word to use, interesting. Are, so, are, are, are you going on the path in which I think you are? I have no idea, but I do find it interesting that even though that they've, we just talked about New York remaking three-fifths of their rotation, they still are in on multiple starting pitchers. I find that interesting. <laughs> well, Maybe he just hasn't pulled offers yet. Right, and that and that's possible. Once again, I'm just telling you what I find interesting. Um, Chris it is Lu interesting because if he does go after who like whoever else is left, he's not going to leave himself any flexibility if he yep. needs to do something midseason. Yeshimato uh, is out there, and Trejo. I, I'm seeing he's got offers on on both of those guys. So yeah. I'm just saying it, it that would be interesting. I also find it mildly interesting. I don't know what your thoughts are. I know we have talked about this, that like Cologne would probably almost for sure be able to bring this guy back. I do find it mildly interesting that Vancouver is going after Chris Luther, a 34 year old guy that has a comp pick attached. Um, you know, he wants six years, $130 million. I don't know what he offered him. Yeah, I don't even but, have it as a favor in my game. So, but I'm, yeah, I have it a as a favor in mine, but it's, it's it's interesting for sure, right? And then the last the last, if you will, guy that I'm gonna say, okay, I find this interesting, is um, if you if you if you scroll on down to Shigi Matsumoto. Okay. So this is a two and a half star pitcher. Um, he played in Paris, which is probably you know what I, all the hoopla is about. I, I can actually say I had him favored for three sims, traded for none, and then traded out of none. So I pulled my offer on him. Had I kept none, I would have signed him. So he's not a bad he's not a bad player at all, right? Like he's a two and a half, he's fine. three three war guy, right? Like what I was gonna say is what I find interesting, and I'm I'm definitely not trying to uh, to mess up anybody's uh, mojo here, if you will. But if you look at the contract that's currently being offered and like what he wants, like, like this guy's like wanting, like it says right now, best offer, like $6 million a year for two years. Montreal. So, there you go. So I'm just saying like, I find it interesting that guys like this are out there and available. If you do the work and the research and the legwork, you know, when, when other guys that have similar war production and similar ERA and similar stats, you know, went for four times the value of what this guy got paid. Well, it's funny because I feel like when you're making trades and when you're evaluating personal, like personal personnel across multiple teams, it's like, what have you done for me lately? But if you, it's like in free agency, it's like, well, there's some other guy who looks a little bit sexier. So maybe right. I slide into those DMs. Like, you know what I mean? It seems like completely counterintuitive to view it both different ways. I think, I think the other thing too is, is you have to, you know, it's and and sometimes it's hard, but you really have to take an inventory and really evaluate where your team is at. If you're not in, like, you can think, "Hey, I'm in win now mode," but if you're not a playoff team, if you are not like surefire, like, "Hey, I'm gonna win," you know, hundred games. games, ninety hey, games. 90. Thank you, ninety games. Like, you know what? Maybe the value guy is better at this point rather than signing the guy that's gonna cost four times the value and maybe gives you a half a war more. You know, like I said, like it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue that Obata is a bad signing for Cologne, right? right. Because the bottom line is it's not even just that it's a one year, even if he decided to keep him for two, because he's in win now mode, he's a lefty and he needed a pitcher. You know what I mean? So that's the reason why, like, it's hard for me to argue like, Hey, that's a bad signing. So let me ask you a question. 
at what point do you weigh compensation pick uh, forfeiture versus not going after player and keeping your compensation type of picks? Like, at what level? Like, obviously, Obata. It's like it's it's interesting because Obata and Suzuki they came in when the engine just started so they're so highly rated, but as we get further and deeper into the file, obviously the the depth and the st overall strength of those players will start right. to decrease. Um, at what point do you really and obviously you know I'm asking you as someone who's in a win now mode, but like at what point do you really pull back on that versus making a decision to go for it or not? To me, it has to be at least a three-year contract, favorable terms. Right. Um, like and you have and like I would have to have a farm system that I felt okay giving up a pick for like you know what I mean like well I mean and and I think that you know I think that to every GM it's a little different because that's why I'm asking your opinion you know I mean for for me it, depending on the value of the player and how badly I need the player I'm there's not, not talking Obata or I'm not talking um Suzuki because um, they're so high end it doesn't matter like. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, I do evaluate it. I mean, I obviously – I gave up a comp pick last year to get Rich Nunn. But to me, the the line of thinking was, hey, listen, if I'm going to have this guy for four or five seasons or even longer, depending on if I exercise the team option, if I'm going to have this guy for four or five years, you know, what is that a value, you know, equivalent to drafting a kid in the second round and him spending the next three or four years in the minors? And for me, because of the position I'm in, like you said, like to me, it's a no brainer because in three or four years, I mean, there, there's a chance I might be rebuilding. So by the time that this quote unquote kid reaches the pros, I would much rather use that capital now during a, a, a phase in which I'm in a win now mode than to, you know, kind of kick the can down the road, if you will, so that I hopefully have some decent players later on. Can I ask you about another player in the file that I've liked for a long time and I haven't brought him up yet? Sure. Um, he's a free agent now. He's 23. He played a little bit with Palmetto last year. He was in AAA as well. Or Palmetto in 2025. Um, hit 26 bombs in uh, AAA last year. 330, 381, 534. Didn't do shit in Palmetto, but that was 25. He was like 21 years old. Um, Andrew Pollock. Okay, I have him rated fairly decent. Um, he's he's a prototypical lefty home run bat who doesn't avoid the K. I, I, I like players like this with the with the plus 60 contact, plus 60 home run power, plus 60 avoid K. Like, I think these players are super fucking good. He's a fly ball hitter. Um, and, and by the way, not this player specifically, just that player rating type, like the rating to production type, obviously has to go to the right place. Um, he's, he's on the, like a three-year, $1.5 million favor per somewhere else. I don't know where it is. Um, I haven't offered him because I do have a lot of first basements coming up, like Tynes and Lansby and stuff. But he's he, – and a lot of guys that are in corner that can flex. But he's a guy that I've liked. I've actually had him shortlisted for a minute because he did hit my um, my my filter threshold. What do you think about players like this? I mean, obviously teams like Montreal. Like, to me, this guy should be in Dublin next year, like, like immediately. <laughs> and, like, like now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you think about players like this who are so young, who, who do have decent rating potential – who have proven it at a at, at a high uh, at, at a high minor level like like which team should be looking for these like type of players like well, this mean, guy in Paris like and I'm using Paris as an example because of his ballpark but imagine Paris and I know he has Figueroa but like grabbing a guy like this like shouldn't these guys have already been snatched up like why are these guys still hanging out here in the fucking middle of February well and I I think I think you know, obviously, it's it's, it's the easy. You have to the, scroll down. There, there's no red. Like right. The the easy the easy answer is is that. Because these guys are not – no, they're just – they're not one of the top 
thirty or forty guys. So when you're he looking options. at he has options, two years, you can send the minors for two. Who gives a fuck? I, like no, I understand. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. I'm getting frustrated that he's not signed yet. <laughs> I, I I keep waiting for him not to sign or to sign, and he's not. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm still sitting at one point five. Listen, he's he's an interesting guy, and like you said, the fact that he's had success at the triple a level and he's already gotten a few bats at the um at the pro level you know it might have only been 180 at bats but you know he did hit six home runs Dude, he, he could did... be a platoon, but look at his platoon versus righties like there's no reason if he's making 1.5 million he can't platoon uh, first base right. there's no reason the, the reality the reality is though like he's, i'm he's looking at the kid yeah. the reality is though is for every one of these kids like you're mentioning right now pollock like there is a ton of these guys out there. It's just but about... Dublin's gonna win forty games, like or fifty games. Like, why the fuck isn't he in Dublin? He has no first baseman. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, I, like I said, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there is, there is still a lot of guys out there that can really, really, really help a team. You know, one of, one of the guys. I think I don't know if we mentioned this guy, but I'll give, I'll give the uh, listeners one more guy. Like, and by the way, is... Lachlan in Dublin was claimed hit forty home runs in AAA last year for. Uh, so, so I mean, here's that here's another guy. File, so here's bad. another guy that I think, um, you know, he may not look sexy on paper, but I would just like to take a second to apologize to Jeff. It appears he does have a decent uh, dice roll first baseman option. So sorry about that, okay. Jeff. I was unaware. I had not checked since I checked the last time on your team. So I really like I really like Joe Williams. Um, he's 38. So once again, he's an older guy, but he's also a guy Thank that. You, He's 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 a pros pro. He's been in the league since yeah since the beginning of the, the the season. But I don't I don't necessarily care a ton about the fragility because he's had at least three hundred at bats every single year he's been in the league. Can we get um, Joe Williams, Chris Martin, and Nasir on the same team and hit him one two three please? Well, that's what I was gonna say. You know you know how I feel about on base percentage. And if yeah. you look over the course, I mean he's been a pro and he's had at least. 230 bats at bats every single year since 2020. He's never had an on-base percentage lower than 354. And by the way, you you're, you're amazing. doing a disservice here. By the way, he only had 233 last year, but he's but before that he never had anything less than about 400. You know what I mean? No, that's what I'm saying. Like like his lowest on-base percentage was 354. I mean he's had he's had multiple years where he's had an on-base over 400. And I think too many people get caught up in the average and don't look at the on-base, which is probably much more important than the average. I'm hushing you. Um, like yeah, I'll totally play a 30 home run, 199 average, 320 on-base guy. That's fine. Come play for me. Yeah. Um, so he he's fun as well. Would you like to know what uh, uh, Andrew Pollock's scouting report says? Sure. Let's end the sh- let's end the show on the Pollock because we know that we uh, we got to wrap it up here pretty quick. So let's yes, let's I hear Pollock's uh, report. All right. Well, he is a six five first baseman. He makes regular contact and he has a has a very aggressive approach. He is a proven power hitter and is expected to be a defensive asset at first base. I mean. I don't know who who his agent is and, and who signed him up for LinkedIn, but they're doing him a great service because I would sign him based on that. <laughs> I, I don't know, alone. like I, I know I'm just saying, like I like guys like that, man. Like I understand that, like 
it's easy to sign a Murakami or it's easy to sign a, a Obata who are, who are mm-hmm. you know, consistent and great and fun. But I think there's something to be said for grabbing a lot of these guys who, like, are the diamonds of the rust. I, I, for me personally, it adds to my enjoyment, like, to not... Well, and, and part of it, part of it you have to think is, is what we've talked about, right? Most GMs, I, I think if you were to talk to them, they would prefer, they would prefer a known commodity that has, who's, who's already well, shown. The I'm the king of the low, the, the high, high floor, low ceiling guy. King right. of that, yeah. But I'm saying like most people would prefer to have a guy that um, has proven production that has shown before that is very consistent over a guy that maybe has a ton of upside, but you don't know what you're going to get right? Like he's, he's only, he's only had 180 at bats in the pros and you just don't know. He could be a superstar, right? But the problem is, is that most of the people that are, well, not only that, but if you look at the signings here, most of the people that are signing these guys, like signing players, you know, whether it's a Cleveland, a Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, like most of these teams, Las Vegas, most of these teams are playoff contending teams. Most people that are, are uh, like you were saying before, if you will, Montreal, Dublin, you know, teams that are kind of, if you will, like rebuilding, mm-hmm. they, they typically want to see what they have internally. So I agree with you, though. Definitely listen to what Mike's saying because no, you don't want to you don't want to miss out on an opportunity to easily and quickly and cheaply improve your team. Last question, and then we can end the podcast. Jorge Tamayo. He's the guy we yep. talked about previously, the 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 twenty three year old, twenty four year old starting pitcher slash relief pitcher relief slash pitcher. whatever. Um, do you think he could start in the big leagues at, on a, on a follower role? I guess that's I guess I guess that's what I guess it is. I mean, the the easy answer is yes, but not for my team. I mean, yeah. what I what I I literally for, gave you a question you had to begrudgingly answer. Yes. The answer is yes, but once again, the way that I not if you're trying to win value my no, I don't think it's that. It's just the way that I value my pitchers. Like I, I would have a difficult time having somebody start that only has one and a half good pitches, you know. And I'm not talking badly about the kid. I'm just Girl saying now. like, you know, he just like you know, if you're going to be a starting pitcher, you need to have at least three solid pitches. You know that. Like you can't. Which is what seventy plus. I will even like let's 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 put what the did you do eighty sixty sixty? Yeah, like that's not terrible. Like you know sixty sixty five on your on your your bad pitch, Oof. but you you can't have you can't have like eighty sixty fifty, like fifty is average. Like you start throwing a bunch of average average pitches out there, you're gonna get hammered. I have noticed with the power pitchers, they they kind they can kind of cheat it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's just personal. I don't love Experience. that his best pitch is a fastball. Like I don't love that. Well, and you know how I feel about that as well. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of your best pitch being a fastball. Unless you have like a 90 movement, then I don't really care. But other than that, like stay away. <laughs> stay away. Uh, hey, I got to go, man. I got practice, but I will post this when I get home tonight. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed the PBA Poddammit podcast with Brian and Mike. We'll see you guys again real soon. Thank you. Later.